0: Morning everybody. I'm Charlie Fink. It's December 18th and it's this week in XR with myself, Ted Shilowitz, and today's guest, uh, our friend Marcy Jastro, who is the CMO of Evercast. Marcy, how are you and thank you for joining us.
1: Hi guys, how are you?
0: I've got my coffee. I've got Ted and Marcy. It's a beautiful day. I know it's it feels nice like December.
1: it's Yeah, it feels like I haven't seen you guys in a year? You haven't.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> how are you all? This is so fun. You do this every Friday?
2: We do this yeah. every
1: week, whether we want to or not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually do really want to. I, I was actually just wondering, the two of you, just thinking about it this morning, how much time do you think you have logged on a video chat client in 2020, in the year 2020? compared to every other year of your life, right? I mean, it, it, it's exponentially, like would you say this is now a daily multi-hour occurrence for you? Definitely.
1: Well, for you me, because that's what my company is that I sell,
2: nice. um,
1: <laughs> I am on it. <laughs> from, yeah, tell
0: us uh, more about that.
1: I'm, I'm on it from 8.45 in the morning until 4.45, 5.45 at night. Um, so Evercast is a platform similar to a Zoom, um, only it was purpose-built for creatives. So it is the bridge for creative collaboration for people all over the world. So if you have distributed work, um, workforce, if you have editors who are trying to edit in real time and get episodes out during this pandemic, Evercast is a platform that allows for low-latency um, video interaction, as well as video conferencing.
2: I know. And Marcy, you can tell us that all the major studios are using it in some fashion. I certainly know that our studio and our parent organization that I work for, via CBS is, is using it. And, and among among a whole litany of, of various uh, sort of remote workflow tools that 2020 has brought to the forefront.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so funny because, um, you know, as all, most of the people who know me from Immersive, um, I left Technicolor last year around this time, um, decided I wanted to go back to traditional um, content creation, mainly because I felt like there was no disruption actually happening in the way content creation was being created. Um, and it just so happened and I was putting together a whole plan of how I was going to disrupt the post-production community and the production community, um, through technology and through social media. And what ended up happening was an old editor friend of mine, Roger Barton, who's one of the biggest editors, um, in Hollywood came to me and said, you know, I don't know if you know, but I invested in this little company that is a creative collaboration tool, and I took a sabbatical and walked it into every studio and got security approval from every studio. But I don't know anybody who can sell it. I don't. I don't know how to sell this thing. I said, "Well, that's because you're an editor, Roger." So um, they asked me, "Would I come aboard and help them kind of organize?" the process and what was so pleasing to see was that i wasn't off in my futuristic thinking Um, it is a platform that does disrupt what it allows is the bridge to to creatives in behind the um, walled garden of hollywood so for example we in hollywood have lots of different creative collaboration tools we have Nonlinear tools, we have ways to create content. And then you take that content and you move it to a finishing house to do the technical finishing. Those people in those technical finishing worlds have very little outside connection outside of Hollywood. They're only playing in the top 10% of content creation. When I say top 10%, I'm talking the Netflix, the Paramounts, the Viacom's, the CBS, the high-end content creation. Where I felt like content creation and content um, finishing was missing was in the 35 and the 55%. Um, and the reason why I felt like it was missing was because at the end of the day, if Joe from Milwaukee wanted to finish his feature film for Sundance release he hands over a cut of a film but he has no way to he he doesn't understand the specs that come back from the film festival of how to get it to p3 rec 709 what are all those deliverables so my idea was well let's let's service those markets let's service 35% 35% in the 55 user generated content, because if all these people that are creating user generated content need an editor or need someone to help finish their content. Cause there's no way they could be doing it all by themselves and, and pump out the amount of content they need pumping out. It was a really good way to actually sell, yeah, but, what, all I, but all it? I was missing was the bridge. And that was the technology.
2: Well, and what's interesting, Marcy, and I I was just thinking about this as you were talking, what has happened with your piece of this business pie has happened with a lot of industries where they start out in this very insular, creative, professional bubble, professional services, expensive, exotic. And then the consumerization tools find their way in the side door. Very inexpensive home computers, ubiquitous video chat ability an API that exists to build like a video chat client that didn't come from the professional world, came from the consumerization world. And then it finds its way round trip on the third part of the journey back into the professional world. So it starts with like, nobody's doing it, it's professional. Everybody's doing video online, it's YouTube. And now the third part of the equation is we're back to professionals leveraging the scale and scope and freedom of all of these technology tools.
1: Well, I I think the pandemic kind of hit it really quickly. So lucky for me, when I said, yes, I'll do it. um, Roger had walked Evercast into every studio and gotten approval through every studio. So there was somewhat of an awareness of the product. Um, So it made my job of, of socialization and awareness a little bit easier. When the pandemic hit, it was literally the firehose moment. All of these production companies went um, wherever they were in the world. And remember, crews would travel with major productions. Those crews included editors, assistant editors, and so on. And so what happened was when the pandemic hit, everybody shut down. Everybody came back in the middle of their season, in the middle of their film, and they were like, holy shit, how are we going to finish this? And so I started, it was funny because like from, I don't know, the end of February to March 10th, we have a mechanism, which is so fascinating also the way in which entrepreneurs are now using all of these apps and tools to call the sales and the modern way to sell. And that was really what my whole thesis was, right? There's a new modern way to sell. I want to understand what that modern way to sell is, how the modern way to attract a client, how do you close the deal? And I want to wrap it into one big job. And that's what my whole plan was around, um, what my idea was, is I was going to do it all from, you know, the, the customer acquisition piece. So, all of a sudden, I, let me get back to this. So, all of a sudden, I'm watching the rise of our, our people that are coming to our website because they've heard about our website. And it literally went from trickling to, I don't know, 10 to 15 people a day wanting to see our on demand demo or contacting sales to literally hundreds. Now, my biggest dilemma was, and I think, Ted, you and I had this conversation as I was leaving Technicolor. I really wanted to go back to post-production, and I was very well-known in post. A lot of people knew me. All the editors knew me. um, Directors knew me, but I didn't know whether I was going to be readily available, you know, readily um, received. Welcome back with open arms because I was the defiant one who went to immersive media and wanted to learn about New cool workflows and new ways. I was in a headset for three years Well, what was so cool was my name was on the email once everybody came to the website and so it was literally a launch back into post-production without even trying. Because every friend that I ever knew or every person I ever worked with or every editor I ever worked with was like, oh, it's Marcy. we know her. And so that was, um, that's really where it all started. It was kind of crazy. And, and, and actually a beautiful scenario. We kept people, a lot of people working. Evercast um, actually got an Emmy for their remote collaboration tool this year um so it's been one of those years where you're like wait a second this was supposed to be not so great of a year and it hasn't been for most people that's why i don't like to talk about how how good it's been for evercast
0: well congrats that's a great story sounds like um sounds like the pandemic has been good for your business
1: I think it's been good for a lot of people in the in the entertainment industry, where they've been able to continue to work. You know, it's they're... been good for anybody that
2: has figured out how to take something from the physical world and bring it into the virtual world. Yeah, that, that's the order of magnitude uh, of looking at what does success look like in 2020. It's things we used to do in person. That we do either via a remote delivery layer or a fully digital layer. Um, and, and that is that is the success quotient. <laughs> yeah. like, it's been coming for a long time. And and you know, people like the three of us have been seeing it for a long time coming, um, you know, with with streaming media and remote delivery and video chat client, and everything becomes. I was actually talking to a very large computer company that that we work with a lot. Uh, And we were talking about how the computer over the last now call it 50 plus years has continued to make these concentric circles around becoming the cultural relevant and economic relevant point of the entire planet. And 2020 became sort of the ultimate defining moment of everything that we need to do now needs to run via some sort of compute function that creates a virtual layer a a a artificial layer that starts to feel real um and it has become you know a massive economic force so there we are here we are 2020 doing it right now
0: marcy now you're back in the picture business don't don't you miss all of us in vr
1: i I do Um, i'm fortunate that people haven't um you know, exiled me from the VR world. <laughs> I uh, was doing a podcast myself with Christina Heller for a while. We did eight episodes, and then um, it got a little messy to to try to figure that out during the whole Black Lives. I mean, it was like one catastrophe after another, and I was like, you know what? Let's let's do our eight episode arc and 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 then step back into it. Um, I think that the, what's been really interesting is I learned a lot in immersive. I understood, you know, I learned a lot as it related to content creation in a way that not a lot of people really understood and, um, or not a lot of people were doing. Remember the whole goal of the tech was to take traditional film and television making and then traditional, and then look at the game workflow or the game engine workflow And how do you put that together, right? Thus creating virtual production. And um, what has been interesting about Evercast is it's been placed on some of the biggest virtual production shows that are being built right now. Why is that? Um, Probably because I can speak to it in a way where using Evercast, um, where some executives might not wanna put on a headset in a virtual production scenario. So this is kind of a step to the headset for those people that don't want to be in a, in, in a an immersed world. So we're using Evercast a lot for virtual scouting. We're using it a lot for game engine workflows, environments, animation. Um, visual effects. And so those people are adopting it and are seeing, um, what, what people are doing with it in, in that world.
0: So this is our uh, last podcast of the year. Ted and I usually just bat around the week's news that, uh, catches our uh, attention, uh, Queuing, queuing off of my weekly column in Forbes. So we take what the week gives us. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been kind of a slow week. Obviously, we're getting into the end of the year. Our next uh, podcast will be on January 4th, right before virtual CES starts. Mm. So that might be worth mulling over for a second. I think CES in Las Vegas was the last time I saw you in the real, Marcy. It may have been- I know, right? In the real, Ted, we're, we're coming around the bend on a year Yeah, ago. that's, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. But uh, but the two stories I wanted to talk about this week. uh, We touched on Roblox a little bit last week They pushed their IPO to 2021. I think they just ran out the clock in 2020 Uh, But uh, Rec Room just announced yesterday that they had raised an additional 20 million dollars for those of you who don't know Rec Room is a free social VR universe where people are making movies in VR. They're building um, worlds using uh, Elaborate tools that Rec Room has created, and of course, there's all the different games that exist in Rec Room right now, from ping pong to I think their most popular game, paintball. Um, it skews very young, younger I think than even VR Chat, uh, which also you know you can easily find yourself surrounded by 12-year-olds. Um, I, I think they've kind. Of, it looks like at least from from their press, uh, and they they don't do a lot of press, uh, but it it looks like uh, from their breasts that they're embracing that, mm-hmm.
2: um,
0: they have like most VR destinations that are free uh, experienced tremendous growth this year, as did VR Chat, as did Microsoft's Altspace. Space. Uh, so you know clearly people are going to be spending, as we predicted, a lot of time in social worlds, uh, partly because they're free and partly because there's more and more there. Right. Uh, of course, the the challenge of social VR is that you have to know who you are, where you are, and what you're supposed to do there. So Avatar Chat, you know, that always plagued AltSpace. space. Right? I think it's changed, alt space has become more of an adult destination, um, maybe more of a business-like destination than, than some of the others, although still it's animated, it's full full of whimsy. Um, but um, $20 million, I don't know, it. I couldn't divine what their evaluate, overall valuation was, but but I've got to think it's probably close to half a billion dollars now.
2: Yeah, it may not be that high. It's probably probably in the low, low hundreds of millions. It's probably a 10x off that investment or an 8x off that investment. So call it 160, 170 million. Um, it is interesting you bring up the point about that these these clients that do often have a lot of sameness to them, right? I mean, they they give you a social sort of lobby you can sort of move around and you can create events and you can be with friends or you can be with strangers they're all finding their own personality traits now so rec room is absolutely i do not spend a lot of time in rec room because it is very much uh the it's it's the kids playpen which is great and they, they need a place to play and that's absolutely great um i spend more time in in a a work productivity tool called Spatial which is sort of a grown-up world right and, and and we use that and and a little bit in VR chat which is kind of the um, the the sort of teenager world right so so it's so you can yeah. still find yourself surrounded by little kids
0: often kids who don't speak english yes in yes. VR chat but the thing i like about VR chat is there is something to do which is to collect or try on avatars yeah right so they immediately engage you with that, and it's kind of your way into uh, a lot of um, the other features that that the platform has. Yeah. Um, anyway, good, great for uh, VR, great for against gravity, good for them, uh, and it's just great to see some of these platforms get traction. You know, I've been looking at this space for a very long time since 2015. Um, you know, AltSpace was was the very first, and they missed the timing badly.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and and they almost went down. Uh, in the sort of nadir of, uh, you know, the, the VR backlash. Um, they held their own
2: and they're still there. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, the community, I think the community, like, was rallying for it. And that's the thing. Like, when you have consumers backing you and really wanting to have something there, a there there um, specifically in alt space that that's what happened vr chat i just have to tell you you know what was so interesting for me i was going into vr chat a lot because there's a whole xr group that goes in every wednesday um one time i went in there and i got literally these people were following me all around every room and i just decided it was too creepy for me so i stopped going to uh,
0: VR
2: I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Charlie. I'm curious, and also Marcy too. Depending on how much time you spent uh, in in this device recently, the the Quest Two, I had a little bit of, uh, of of an epiphany over the last week or so as I've been diving back into video centric stuff um, and looking at you know, the, the bane of our existence of like 360 video, which just sort of never really worked. And the, the poly count was way too low on the devices and everything was just looking kind of yucky. Um, I, I did another revisit in the last couple of weeks and I, I tried a couple of live events and I looked at a bunch of interesting, there's, a, there's an interesting series going on of a, of a doc filmmaker that is basically just documenting these gigantic urban areas during the pandemic and mm. what happens to a place like Tokyo that is normally filled with humans, and I've been there many times for work, and it's empty, and oh, and, wow. um, and it's sort of fascinating to watch that in VR as opposed to just on a TV mm. screen because you can really get a sense of the scope and scale and the feeling, and it actually brought tears to my eyes. Like, I'm watching empty Tokyo in VR and feeling like, wow, I just got transported back there, and now I feel like I'm in the pandemic in downtown Tokyo, in in, in Shibuya and and, and in Akihabara and so forth and so on. Um, But what was interesting to me, and I'm curious if you've had this, this moment as well, is that the video quality is now getting really good. Like, it actually looks like video now. It doesn't look like, oh, the only thing you really should do with this stuff is make CGI graphics. And I still know that, you know, we're still at the very beginnings of our journey on these devices. So whatever we talk about Facebook executives and Facebook big shots and the owners of Facebook, all sort of like predicting that this is gonna be the next social platform. And we're all like, yeah, maybe. Well, maybe they were really right. Like they start to understand, yes, it's gonna, it's a long-term investment. It's a long-term strategy. But over the cycles of how we were able to get computers really, really good and really, really sophisticated and really, really high res and very inexpensive, we'll be able to do the exact same things with these sort of head-worn devices. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, we'll be watching movies, TV shows, immersive media in these devices, and it will look as good, if not better, than what we look at in traditional screens. And that moment started to happen for me the last couple of weeks. It's not as good yet, but it is vastly better than it was 18 months ago. Well, of course, the resolution on the Quest
0: 2 really is is enabling that. Um, you know, there's there's no screen door, so to speak, which was the... Um,
2: right. It just makes a huge movie. difference. Too. Like, I feel like I'm starting to watch this and I'm being entertained by it. And I don't have to default into the graphics world of Beat Saber and right. Rebel Recall and all that stuff. Uh,
0: you know, it's interesting because recently, um, you know, I, I teach a, a course... Um, called landscape of immersive media so um, we're basically jumping back and forth from zoom to, to vr so we finally got around to talking about three of which i have been vocally dismissive since the beginning i felt like it was content for a platform that had no content so they were by default the content for early vr and things like the gear vr Um, And and since, of course, the platform has gotten better, we kind of shed 360 and left it behind as as kind of a, um, you know, a weird relative. Um, But, you know, hopping back in, uh, first of all, Quill Theater, uh, a free aspect of um, Oculus Quest Store, something I would recommend to everyone. Uh, There's a lot of fantastic content in there, uh, sort of like um, immersive graphic novels, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, as, as well as just some fantastic pieces of, of dimensional art. The, the other thing is that I went into the Felix and Paul channel. Mm. For those of you who don't know, Felix and Paul is a Montreal studio that has probably been the foremost practitioner of 360 video, although, although they do immersive and, and, and many other kinds of technology. Uh, but they're best known for their 360 video of Obama's office. And, um, and so I, uh, you know, I took my class in there and uh, really a lot of that content is quite extraordinary uh, using the Quest 2. And uh, people really, you know, because of course I've got this ongoing focus group of young people who really have not seen a lot of this yet. Or if they've had, have, it's been very focused on video games. Right. So their response to it was, you know, it, it always fills me with excitement because you know, they were like, oh my God, this is, you know, we want to make movies like that. And uh, and so I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think 360 with higher resolution headsets, we may uh, yet see a renaissance of 360 mm-hmm. as we have seen these social platforms kind of get renewed and, you know, renewed vigor with a larger audience and better headsets. I, I would say it's a very good possibility we'll see something similar happening with the 360 world and that those companies like within and Felix and Paul and and I know there are several others who sort of bet the bank on 360 video and, and nearly perished because of it May yet be vindicated. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I don't know if it's vindication. I think it's growth right mm-hmm. and it's the ability, you know, the whole idea of the very beginning of VR was to learn and so as and we always knew the headsets were going to take time to get better and better and better. But what were the best practices of the creation of the content? How do you do that? What are the best cameras? How do you stitch? Well, now you don't have to worry about the stitching because there's automated stitching. And so and 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 I think that when you look at things like Mach 1, which has advanced spatial audio, Um, There's all of these tools now that are kind of coming together where you can create beautiful, beautiful pieces. I mean, not to plug a Wavna anymore, but if you look at a Wavna and what that 360 video, um, how we created it, what we did with it, how Lynette told the story and went from 360 video to um, augmented reality into interactive. I mean, that right there was the whole enchilada and way before anybody doing any of that. So I feel like there's so much opportunity because the tools are better, because people have been banging on it for it long enough. Now the headsets are getting better.
2: And, And speaking of audio, I'll just throw this out just to get a laugh. What do we think the right price for a high-end set of headphones should be? Is it really $600?
1: No. Just a question
2: for the both of you. (laughs) So I'm
1: using a Scarlett right now. And even my microphone is a Scarlett, my headset is a Scarlett, and I got a great deal on it. And I can can hear 5.1 in Evercast all day long i'm
2: just making a little joke because you the two of you know i'm the biggest apple head on the planet everything you know in my world is some sort of apples s kind of moment and even for me i was like six hundred dollars for the headphones guys it's a little like I mean elitist to the point of like really you know is it really worth like twice what the really good Bose headsets are? I don't know. I just you know I mean yeah. maybe people that, that are using them are like no it's way better but I just find it hard to believe. I don't know.
1: I, I don't see a lot of people using headsets. I mean or head earphones. Well, because we don't s- fly on airplanes anymore, right? Well <laughs> yeah. exactly, but like when I mean again, I'm on the I'm on a platform all day long video conferencing and most people don't outfit their whole world the yeah, way I do. i
2: to have. I mean, you have stuff on your ears. When we do, Charlie and I do podcasts, we have our microphones, but we just use the, the audio, the speakers of the yeah, of the computers. I There's guess.
0: nothing going on here that requires any high-end audio. Although our producers have often complained about the crappy quality of our mics, so we had yeah, to- but we got better. We're
2: we're, <laughs> we're doing better. <laughs>
0: we're doing better after <laughs> our game to show them we were serious about this. So, in fact that's we're we're coming to the end of our half hour, but Ted, Ted and I have been doing this since August. It's so five months of, of building up this podcast and trying to see if there's a there there and, uh, I think we're, we continue to do it, not because we've built a huge audience, but just cause we like hanging out on Friday morning and uh, yeah. shooting the shit about what's going on in XR uh, continues to be, I think one of the most exciting aspects of uh, new technology and, and I think is uh, gonna continue uh, to disrupt and augment a lot of the things that we do. So um, Ted have a great new year. Marcy, it was fantastic to see you. I miss um, you.
1: Good seeing so you guys, much. I miss you guys too.
0: Um, yeah, hopefully in a in a few months, we will all be together in the real. We will not be together. In- okay,
1: wait, I have to ask you, are yes. you guys going to go vaccine or no vaccine?
0: Oh, hell yes.
2: 100%, 100% vaccine,
0: absolutely. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'll be first in line. I, I can't take this shit
2: anymore. I, I can't I, either. I'm done. I, you know, we're all <laughs> roughly the same age. I think we've <laughs> all had vaccines our whole lives yeah. and we all live to tell the tale. And it, it will make 2021 different than 2020. And I That's think right. everybody... <laughs> needs a different 2021 than different 2020. On that note, I just want to say, you know, thanks to everybody. That's a a great (laughs) note to go out
0: on, Ted. Thanks everybody. We'll see you January 4th.
1: Bye.